but the game was different, right? The the, the rules was different. The ball oh, was the Euro, different. The like, Euro, the Euro style is different in America. The Euro style was a lot different in America. <laughs> That's the Especially, first time y'all seen that Euro step too, huh? Absolutely. Today um, on the Euro step in, we have Coach uh, Jeff Reiner from CSI um, all the way in uh, Idaho. Um, he's the head coach of the program. Um, coach, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. First off, uh, the College of Southern Idaho, uh, the acronym is CSI, uh, is the winningest junior college in the country. Uh, they have won more games uh, in junior college, and junior college is a two-year school. So it's a school where kids that are not seen, uh, that are talented, um, or academically need a little bit more work, they go to junior colleges. Uh, a lot of really good players have come out of junior college. Uh, Stacy Ogman, Larry Johnson were, were two of the famous ones uh, back at UNLV back in the day. Um, but I'm personally from the state of Washington, Washington State in the Pacific Northwest. I played uh, basketball at the University of New Mexico in Albuquerque for two years. Yeah, yeah. And then I um, transferred to Gonzaga University. Uh, a good friend of mine was on the team, and I transferred up there in search of a little bit more playing time. I was probably uh, not as talented for the WAC at the time. And Gonzaga at the time wasn't Gonzaga as, as it is today. Uh, they did have a player by the name of John Stockton on the team. And I played with John for, I redshirted one year when John was a junior. And then my junior year was his senior year. So I got to play with John and I started alongside John his senior year. Uh, we finished about the middle of the league. We had an opportunity to have a special year. We lost a couple of close ones, um, probably because everyone around John wasn't good enough, right? I mean, <laughs> so uh, from there, um, I played in Australia for two and a half years uh, in nice. the state of Queensland. I played for Ipswich basketball. Uh, I had a great experience there. I started teaching high school. I really got into coaching at that time with the club um, and I really enjoyed it and then a former Gonzaga assistant uh, Bruce Wilson at Simpson College a division three school and a division three school in America is a non uh, athletic scholarship uh, all academic scholarships and so uh, that was kind of the purest form of college basketball where kids go there for academic reasons and they end up playing basketball so I was there for two years I got my master's at Drake University in the evenings on the weekends. I was the JV head coach. I was the varsity assistant. I was the intramural director. I was the women's uh, golf coach. Jeez. I, my first pay was $1,800 for the year. And then I did other things to supplement that. I was the women's golf coach, you know, as intramural. So I, I pieced together whatever I could. I was going to grad school at night. I was grinding. I was just wow. learning. And it was a great experience. And then from there, after I got my master's at, uh, at Drake, I got on at the University of Nebraska, which is a Division One school in Lincoln, Nebraska, really known for American football. Um, I went there for uh, two years and worked on a doctorate. And I, uh, we made the NCAA tournament in the third, second year I was there. Uh, had a great run there. And then I got a job at BYU. I was one of the few um, Catholics to ever work at a Mormon school in coaching. Okay. I was the third assistant. 
I did all the scouts. I did every scout uh, and used to be able to travel to do the scouts. And I just absolutely loved it. It was so much fun. And we made two NCAA tournaments. So I had now had been to three consecutive NCAA tournaments in the last year and made the NIT, fell a little bit short of the NCAA tournament. And then the job opened in town at a local junior college, uh, Utah Valley State College, which is now Utah Valley University, which is a division one school. Mm -hmm. I was the head coach there for eight years. And I competed in the league that the school that I'm currently at. And we were, um, we had a great run there. I left there the all time winning this coach. We made it to the national tournament. The only time in the school history it ever happened. We sent over uh, 40 kids to division one schools and had a great run there. I got an opportunity to go to um, Oregon State in the pack Pac-10 at the time, which is now the Pac-12. Okay. Uh, I'd grown up in the Northwest and I was, um, my dream was always to coach in the Pac-12. So I was, I was there as one of the um, uh, lead assistants there. I was there for four years, had a great run there. Um, my family loved it there. But then I got an opportunity to be the head coach at Fresno, uh, the head assistant at uh, Fresno State, the associate head coach was Steve Cleveland. Mm -hmm. and um, had a great time in Fresno. Uh, we had three NBA players there. Uh, one of them was Greg Smith, six foot 10 center that played for the Houston Rockets, uh, in and out of the NBA. A Tyler Johnson, who was with uh, the Miami Heat, yeah. and eventually with the Phoenix Suns, and now he's with New Jersey Nets. Um, he was a left-handed guard. Uh, but the big one was uh, Paul George. Paul George was- uh, Come on, I've heard of him. Yeah, pretty good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, come across his name somewhere before, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, uh, I wasn't the main recruiter of Paul, but I did coach him for two years. Uh, Sin Q Carey was the, the, was the young man that recruited him. And um, Paul really developed at Fresno State. He got an opportunity to play and um, really did a good job. But then uh, after Paul went to the NBA, uh, a year later we got fired, which is a common thing in American basketball. Uh, there's only two types of coaches, ones that have been fired and ones that will be fired. Um, <laughs> so Paul went to the NBA, made millions, and uh, uh, we, couldn't, we couldn't recover from that. Uh, we did the best we could at the time. And then I went to uh, a private Catholic school in Orange County, California, called Santa Margarita Catholic High School. It's famously known for where um, uh, Clay Thompson went to school. Clay went to school there five years before I went there. And we had a great run there. We made, we won two championships, played in a third, played at the elite level, played against uh, Chino Hills uh, when they had all the Ball Brothers, uh, number one in the country. Uh, we played some great, great teams. Uh, all those kids are now playing at the high, high level uh, in the uh, collegiate on the, in the Pac-12 and across the country. I coached two, my last, Last year, we won a CIF championship, and uh, one of my players, Jake Kaiman, is at UCLA. Another one is Max Ogbonk-Polo, who is currently at USC. Both play off the bench for them. Probably will be have a chance to be starters down the road. Um, had a good run. The job opened here at CSI. I got a phone call. Uh, wasn't really interested in leaving Southern California. Beautiful place. We had a great run going at uh, Santa Margarita. but. My daughter had graduated and left, and she's currently at Santa Clara playing volleyball. So we went to high school together. 
I was mm -hmm. uh, coaching there. We had a great experience. It was a lot of fun, but it was time to move and the opportunity to come to CSI, which was one of the greatest junior colleges in the country, if not the greatest. Um, multiple NBA players have come through here. Uh, the most famous recently was Pierre Jackson, who was currently, I think, in China, um, playing uh, uh, a lot, played for Baylor um, out of here, was player of the year here. So we're in our year two. Um, we recruited a, a player of yours, uh, Joel, and um, he came at semester and he, he is a diamond in the rough and we're thrilled to have him. We currently have on our team um, several international players. We have two um, players from Australia, mm -hmm. uh, Sudanese refugees that have, have gone there and now have come here. One of them signed with the University of Portland. The other one's a freshman, so he'll sign the following year. And then we have a young man from Mexico, uh, Sebastian Jimenez, who's a sophomore. And then we have uh, uh, Medit, who is from Canada, never another Sudanese refugee. And then we have Satne, who is from the country of Georgia. Uh, so we have multiple players we recruit internationally. Um, and we recruit internationally for multiple reasons, um, because um, sometimes international students don't have uh, the academic requirements to go to um, uh, a Division One school or a Division Two school in America, just because they don't know, um, or they just haven't had the exposure. And so we we uh, we're all over the globe, we're all over the country looking for players that can have an immediate impact at a high level here. Perfect, perfect, coach. That was that was a great opener. Um, like if you was to estimate, and I know you've been um, at CSI for two years, but thinking over your you know vast career, a vague estimate doesn't have to be like to the T, but how many international players would you say you've recruited in your time uh, coaching? That's a good question. I When I went to Utah Valley, I went to Brazil and recruited some players. Um, we weren't in Europe that much at that time. Uh, we didn't have a huge budget to recruit when I was at Utah Valley. Now, um, CSI is a little bit different where we do have more of a budget, but um, I recruited quite a bit when I got to Oregon State. I was in Europe. I recruited um, uh, a player out of Croatia um, that really had an impact at Oregon State. And then I signed um, a couple players out of um, the Netherlands. And that, that really helped us and we, I've always been involved with international kids. I really like the experience that they're given. Um, and they, they really appreciate the opportunity. And um, they're also with the game in America, trending more towards the European game. Uh, yeah. They've had a good impact and they've really had a positive impact here in America. Yeah, that's, yeah, definitely. The, I think the positionless basketball is more, you know, pr predominant in Europe. And now um, the game, the American game at all levels seem to be adopt, uh, adopting that positionless basketball with the bigs, you know, handling the ball, passing. Um, so, yeah, definitely. Um, the big question is, why would you recruit an international kid over a domestic? Well, I, I don't think we go into saying, hey, we're going to go get, um, you know, an international kid over a domestic kid. I think it, it kind of, as it comes to us, um, 
and uh, CSI is a vast network of people that have worked here or played here. And so we get recommendations. Uh, we get uh, emails that are sent to us. Um, I think so as we go through it, um, we'll recruit the state of Idaho. We're from the state of Idaho. So we'll recruit here first. Um, there's not a lot of players in the state of Idaho that are at the national level for junior mm. college. Yeah. So we quickly expand to our region, which includes, you know, uh, Utah and then, then the West coast. And then we go within our oh, nation. Okay. So, but as players come to us, we recruit them. And, you know, in your case with Joel, um, that, that came to us from a former head coach here at CSI. And he said, Hey, you need to get on this. This kid is special and I really like him. And so when, when he says that he has a reference of where we're from, um, you know, it meant a lot. And so, um, that that's the way it went for us. But in regards to domestic or international kids, we don't really set the standard of we were trying to go this way more than that way. We kind of take what's presented to us and what our needs are within our program. Nice. Okay. I got you. Um, can you explain the process of recruiting an international player from start to finish? Well, I think the number one thing is um, in, in recruiting in general is developing trust, trust in a relationship with the person that you're recruiting um, and the family because they're coming a long way from home. Um, when I played overseas, you know, there was no cell phones. There was no internet. You wrote letters. Um, it was lonely, like you're away from your family. Um, so you have to take that in mind. And then you have to understand that their family needs to feel comfortable. Usually the players are gung ho that I want to go, but you, you really have to let family know that we will take care of them when they're here. Um, mm -hmm. not just on the court, right in the classroom and in life, because most likely this is the first time they're away from home and so far away from home from their family that they can't go home on the weekend or whatever so they're here mm. pandemic has made things a lot more difficult for kids because um you know they can't there it's not as free you know it's it's not as easy um coaches can't go over to see them you know video is so important but i think the trust that there's going to be a relationship here and that we're going to treat them. I always tell them I'm going to treat them like you're my own son. And so we want to make sure that that's clear and developing that trust is huge. Perfect. I like it. Um, and you mentioned a little bit uh, on watching video and stuff. Um, if I'm an international player, how important is my highlight tape? Is it very important? Is it like, can I get a, can I get signed off my highlight tape or, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. So, so we get highlight tapes all the time. And when we do highlight tape, we see highlight tapes. You better make every shot in the highlight tape, right? <laughs> and usually yeah. they do. And you no, know, but you can tell a lot from a highlight tape with athleticism, the ability to shoot the basketball, ball handling and everything. So um, it's, it's vital to have a highlight tape because that's kind of your teaser, like, you know, that's your trailer uh, of a movie, right? And then you're, you're gonna have to have uh, game film. Game film will tell us a lot. 
and then uh aligning with someone that has connections to america is very very large someone that has a reputation someone that has connections with colleges because um uh, relationships are really big in recruiting because there's got to be a trust factor so um you know you and i did not know each other uh mm -hmm. when this whole thing happened and it became completely clear in talking with you is that you had a basis of not overhyping a player uh, mm -hmm. because you, you don't want to be with somebody that overhypes you because eventually what happens is um, then then they lose trust, right? They lose trust that they, okay, this guy overhypes it. You got to be careful, whatever. But um, it became quickly clear in talking with you is when we were talking about Joel is that you were a grounded person that, hey, he's not perfect. He's got some things he's got to work on, but the potential for greatness is there. And through the relationship and through conversations and through video, and then Joel was lucky enough to visit. And then the best evaluator is when you can scrimmage or play with our team. In junior college, we can evaluate you up and down on the court. Joel made a big impression with his raw ability that he's going to be a tremendous player down the road may not happen today, but it's going to happen. And so we could see that on the visit, the visit we could, and then, and then there's some trust that we could develop, uh, both ways, you trusting us and, and then we trusting you. So, um, the highlight tapes is important, um, because it's a teaser, but you're going to have to have a lot more information than that. Um, what was the, I mean, we, you touched on it just a little bit again. Um, in regards to what's the best way for an overseas player to get a college coach's attention. And you spoke about, you know, game film and relationships. Is there anything else you wanted to put to that in terms of, you know, little Johnny over somewhere, you know, wants to come to CSI? Like, how does that work? Well, um, you know, for example, so you and I have developed a, a relationship. So mm. anyone from England, I send it to you. Mm -hmm. So I send it to you because I trust you and I trust that you would know people in England and all the, the people there that would, you know, you'd be able to tell me because I trust you. Mm -hmm. right? And so it goes back to trust at all times. But, you know, I think, you know, having have, you know, being organized, right. And make sure that when you send an email to a coach, it's not, Hey coach, it's you've done your research that you know it's coach reinert um you know that you use the coach's first name or the second name out of respect and and just describing yourself don't send blanket emails to everybody those get deleted really fast <laughs> okay because you, the, the sheer number of them that come in and you know uh whatever actually and then actually knowing who you're sending it to Mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I can look at a tape in, in 30 seconds and know that this this person could could not compete at this level, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, and all schools are different. We're fully funded as a school. Some schools, uh, if if you if you have money and that you're able to share the cost of education, um, 
you, that opens your door to a lot more schools. And so that that's helpful as well. Make sure your your transcripts uh, that that you have everything in line, ready to go, ready to send. Um, th those things are important as well because a graduation certificate to go to junior college is imperative. If you don't have a graduation certificate, you cannot get into junior college. Having a TOEFL exam done in advance is is really really important with an international student because most schools require a TOEFL exam. Um, uh, taking the SAT or ACT is always a good thing, um, though this year and probably next year they, they won't be required that at the Division One level because of the pandemic. So mm. there's lots of things um, I would say uh, affiliating your, yourself with someone like yourself that has connections in America uh, is huge and your connections will create other connections because of who we know, yes. right? So you might have a player that's not good for us, but we might be able to help you place that player um, because you helped us get a player. So, you know, I would say your teaser, a connection with somebody, having being organized, a personalized email, um, and follow up with that as well is huge. Perfect. I like that. Um, great summary. Uh, what should a freshman expect coming into a program? Um, you know, um, at any level, you know, it's a big thing. What, 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 what are they looking at? Well, it's so funny because in, in, in division one, it's different than junior college. So in okay. junior college, sophomores are so much more successful, um, because freshmen are going through a lot of adjustments, especially international players. Um, the food that you're eating now and how to eat it right, right? The reputation is that America eats junk food all the time. Um, and I would say, you know, it's a different, it's a different eating process here, right? Um, most of my student athletes, most kids in America are more healthy eaters than when I was, uh, yeah. you know, 30 years ago, 40 years ago when I was growing up. Um, so there, there's healthier choices now that kids eat, but eating is different. It's it, eating is different than Europe, you know, uh, Australia, everywhere. Uh, it, it's all different. That's a big adjustment. Um, school, right? The education system in America is way different than the education system in Europe. So, um, those are two major adjustments being away from home. Uh, the good thing about now is you, you have the, um, the internet so you can communicate daily minute by minute with your family uh, on your phones uh, the phones are a huge huge uh, uh, benefit you know yes. like I said when I went away I, I had to write a letter a phone call was five minute five dollars per minute you know so dad Jeez. didn't want to talk long I mean it it was way different and it's so much cheaper now I mean through whatsapp you can have phone calls without charge and it's huge and so that part of the adjustment of being away from home should be better, but it's a lot of adjustment. And then the way the game is played in America is different, right? It, it's a it's a completely different game. And um, though it's it's starting to meld together, it is different. So there's a vast majority of experiences that, that freshmen go through that sophomores have already been through. And so, Usually sophomores are a little bit more successful or a lot more successful than freshmen, but freshmen can have an immediate impact as well. Nice, nice. Um, 
a little bit controversial, um, but there seems to be a, a negative stigma um, about junior college, by and large, you know, by um, sure. international um, players and stuff. Um, can you talk about that? Can you like help put aside any reservations someone might have about going to a junior college? Well, I think most people want to play at Duke or Kentucky or UCLA, right? We all yeah. do. Yeah. Right. We were all that age, but reality is this: um, opportunities to play it better um, are important, and so you have to find an opportunity for you to play, right? And if you're not now to play at those schools, uh, junior college is a really good thing. This academically go to junior college. Um, that's not, it's not true. All them, there is an avenue for the academically challenged to go through junior college. That's what a junior college is for overall, discounting athletics, right? Junior college is uh, inexpensive. Um, way for someone to go to school. So you may have grades, but you don't have the financial means to go, pay to go to a university. Like, for example, Sydney University, where my daughter goes, it's seventy-five thousand dollars. I mean, uh, if if my wife and I weren't in a position to pay for the first two years, we couldn't afford that. My daughter would have had to go to junior college, and it's just financially a lot cheaper. You know, so that's one thing. You know, there where to go at, at CSI, the education um, environment, the culture here is at a very, very high level. And so, and you're playing against very high level people. So um, that way you can really have a great experience. But once you do your research and you understand, um, you can find a lot of international players that have gone through junior college that have been very, very successful. So um, the stigma is really not accurate, um, but you can get go to programs that are Division One programs that aren't great programs. I mean, mm. it's all relative. Uh, you you got to make sure that where you're going and who you're playing for is more important than what the level is. Yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree. Um, and I think uh, to piggyback on that, some players um particularly international players they overshoot their mark you know that you know you get a school or program like hey we're willing to take you we want you here and they turn their nose up at it and say oh no well i need to go and play division one or i need to go you know to a different program and they get there and they're unsuccessful so i think yeah what you said is completely true i think what's really big and, and a good thing of what you said is Paul Hanari is a former player of mine who was the Olympic coach for New Zealand. He's had a lot of players that overshoot, right? They get a lot of attention, they get whatever, and then they go to a, a high level division one school and they don't play, right? So finding a level, whether that's a lower division one school, it may not be, I mean, so for example, I mean, just look at what Gonzaga has done with international players, right? Mm -hmm. um, majority of, the people that have had an impact at Gonzaga have been international students. So they have built their program, uh, St. Mary's, another that yeah. is heavily involved with the Australian um, players, have really had a major impact and changed their program through international players. And so um, you have to look for places that embrace 
the international student and have had a history of international players. That's a big key. That's something that you have to take a look at. And that kind of brings us on to the next question of how best is it, or what what advice could you give to an international student to um, climatize themselves to a program? What can they do to kind of just, you know, fit in? Well, I think that's, uh, you know, um, a, a big part of the culture of where you're going and you can be part of having a great culture. So, you know, some of my international players that have played for me have really set the culture here and I've relied on them. Sebastian Jimenez, who's on our team right now, and Joel and Dang Dut, who's from Australia, they have set my culture. And um, I think that going in to just totally embrace and jump right in with two feet and get to know the other players and develop relationships, um, that will help the transition of you going to another place and, you know, ask questions, um, get extra workouts in, develop relationships. Everything in basketball and in life is about relationships. And the better you can form relationships, the easier the transition will be. Perfect, I love it. Um, yeah, I love it. Um, talking about scholarships now, coach, at your <laughs> level, um, at junior college, uh, what type of scholarships do you guys offer? Um, is there a half scholarship? Is it only full scholarships? And what does that cover? Okay, so at the College of Southern Idaho, we're a national junior college. We're at the highest level that you can be at. So in being at a CSI or a national junior college, they can offer full ride scholarships, tuition, books, fees, room and board. Some of those schools can also provide airfare, um, one, one trip. It's part of the NJCA rule, okay? And part of the reason for junior college athletics and the reason for that is because a lot of the, the athletes that go to junior college may not financially be in a position to pay for the cost of the expense of the flight. It depends on different programs, how well they're funded. Um, so you have the highest level and then in junior college, there's, uh, there's division one, division two and division three, much like there is in uh, four year settings. Okay. So division three is an all academic institution where you just get your uh, scholarship monies through your grades. Uh, Division two, it can offer up to 10 full ride scholarships, but they can break those up. Okay. okay. And junior college, you, you have a certain, uh, uh, at the highest level of division one, you can have up to 15 full ride scholarships. Right. And so, but within that division one, they're all funded a little different. So, um, so it's, it's just different for everybody. Um, so we're pretty excited um, that at CSI that we can be funded at the highest level. Nice, nice. Perfect. Um, is a scholarship um, for the full length of the um, college career or, you know, for the two years they're at junior college or is it renew? Is it on a year to year basis? Renewables. So uh, the myth is that you would sign in as a scholarship for four years. Used to be, it's a myth. Right uh -huh. now, there are some conferences in Division One that guarantee that scholarship, no matter what. Okay, some of the bigger conferences. Now, um, some of the uh, uh, they're they're year to year. So at junior college, they're year to year. Now, players, coaches can uh, take that scholarship uh, at any time, 
especially if your behavior or your your effort in the classroom aren't at the level or your coachability you know that you just refuse to be coached um those those would mainly fall on the player so it, it's different for every everything and can you get your scholarship taken away due to injury well i think at csi that wouldn't be the case for sure okay, okay? um we have uh, we have funding in place that that takes care of that and that protects against that but i would every student athlete should um have insurance uh if it's not provided by the school i would i would suggest that they they get insurance to protect against any sort of injury and in case the school does not protect you in that aspect okay cool um what does a typical college day consist of okay so that's a great question here at the college of southern idaho uh we we're in person for the most part we do have some online courses because of the pandemic um but for the mo majority we are all uh in the classroom so usually from eight to noon you would be in classes um and then if if you do, if you don't have a class uh, during the morning uh, you have an hour in between players will come in and get individual workouts which is absolutely huge here at csi big part of the development um and then you obviously you have breakfast in the morning lunch and then we will have strength and conditioning training um for about an hour uh three days a week uh which there's more optional uh that you can do um depending on uh, how much time and how much interest you have on that um and then we'll practice and we'll practice for approximately two hours we'll have film sessions included with that and then that's the normal preseason. and then when we get into the season we'll travel right we'll have games on thursday and saturday and uh, if we go on the road we'll leave on a wednesday morning and so uh you'll communicate with your classes and what's the beauty of the internet? A lot of the class and coursework you can do online. Online, yeah. So yeah travel yeah. is so much easier now in America than it used to be. And um, so it's better. So, and then usually after the, if you're an academic qualifier, you can come to junior college for one year and leave. If you're a non-qualifier, you have to graduate from junior college and get an associate's degree before you can advance on. Nice. Okay, cool. Um, that's, yeah, I, the last, the first series we did, we had a few players that went to junior college and they didn't know that they could stay one year. So they were told yeah. they had to stay for two, but they had the academics in place where they could have left. So stuff like that information, I think is really good for the, for the younger, the next generation. So, and here, here's the thing. Um, and I'm not trying to promote you. I, I I'm just telling you, um, that, if there are people that are listening that are interested in coming to America is to get affiliated with someone like yourself early in the process so that you can advise and counsel them about classwork to take. Yes. Um, getting part of the eligibility center early, submitting your transcripts yearly so that you can get, possibly get certified before your senior year. Um, that's, that's a huge process that someone like yourself can advise and counsel people so that they don't miss out on opportunities. Um, so that, for example, um, Joel, we believe, has has the academics to be uh, a one-year player here. Um, if he's ready to go and if he has interest to go, 
then he can come here for a year and leave. Now, mm. what we find is a lot of kids like of Joel's talent, you know, uh, he may benefit from a second year because of the development, the time that we can put into them at division one, there's a certain amount of time that they only can be with student athletes because they want to have the student athlete experience in junior college. We can train with them quite a bit more. So the development can happen a lot more in junior college than it can happen at the division one level. And at the end of the day, it's where you are, you know, if you're interested in playing professionally, uh, where you're at at your end of your time in college, that's the most important thing and putting yourself and making wise moves as you progress. Now you can be, um, uh, start at, at a junior college and end up in the NBA. It, it's all or professional leads wherever. So every player is different, but really aligning yourself with somebody that knows the, the American process that you trust, right? That you know, uh, someone from your country or someone from Europe would know what to do. I like it. I like it. It's, def it's definitely um, important to have those mechanisms in place so that you can make the right decisions and be informed. Um, definitely. Um, does the team train um, all year round or is it just the preseason and season that you guys uh, practice? So, so we, we can we can train kids pretty much year round. Um, we, we used to have a summer program where we, we could house and feed the students um, in the summer, but uh, we don't have that currently. But, you know, from August to June, you can do a ton of training here at CSI. And really? that development, our gym is basically available 24 seven. Kids can get in here late at night. Coaches are available. We are fully funded. We have three full-time assistants that really dive into our student athletes um, and get after it. So um, it does vary from school to school though. I mean, and, and you have to be very, very careful about where you go. Nice, I got you. Makes sense. Now, uh, talking to some coaches, at, at, you know, in the NCAA, um, you understand that there's different statuses, like you mentioned, red shirt, uh, medical red shirt, gray shirt. Do you have the same stuff at, at, at junior college level? Sure, sure we do. So there's there's the medical redshirt or redshirt year that you have. So basically in America, you have five years to complete four years of basketball, right? So they put that other year in there um, basically so if you get injured, you don't miss out on one of your years. They kind of put that buffer. That's the original plan for that. Um, so it, it's uh, now there there's what is called a gray shirt. Right? A gray shirt is where you don't enroll full-time and you're not on scholarship, okay? So then as soon as you enroll um, full-time in school, your athletic and academic clock starts. So, okay. so that's the kicker. So what would happen sometimes in junior colleges especially is kids would enroll part-time. And then when they enrolled part-time, that allowed them to develop their skill level, their overall strength, and then it also allowed them to mature a little bit more. And so that that's a tool that people have used and can use um, to help them grow and mature. Um, but 
currently in America, there's legislation that you can transfer immediately um, if you're a graduate student. And so in theory, if someone graduates from UCLA and UCLA doesn't have the graduate degree that you're looking for, you can transfer immediately to another school and play a final year of eligibility if you graduate early. So that's what's happened a lot of transfers in America. There's also a rule that could possibly come into effect in which um, a division you can transfer after your sophomore, freshman or junior year without graduating and transfer immediately. There's legislation that is up for that and that has not been passed yet, but it is it is deemed that that's going to happen. Okay. Mm, wow, that's the yeah, inside scoop. Um, looking going to look out for that one. Um, how important I and mean, we've, we've mentioned it already, but how important is um, the academics side for the student athletes? And is there a bit more, um, I guess, pressure for international students to have better grades? Um, I think predominantly international students are, are better students um, in general. Um, they, they have a, a career path um, that's set a little bit earlier, it seems like, but not necessarily. But your academic piece is huge. So um, it, at CSI, our team GPA is uh, a 3.43. We have five 4.0 students. We have uh, four 3.8 or higher students. Um, it's, a, it's a big emphasis here at CSI. And so uh, that's less maintenance that I, that I have to do as a coach and that I don't have to worry about um, moving forward. So uh, your academics is a huge piece to the everything, especially if you want to advance to division one, because if you have your grades in order before going to a junior college, that means that you can transfer after one year. If, if you don't have your grades in order, then you are stuck two years in junior college to get your grades and to graduate with your associate's degree with a two year degree. Mm, okay. Um... And, you know, hopefully anyone watching this won't have bad grades or not planning to, but let's say a kid gets into a program um, and it's college life, you know, parties with distractions and their grade drops below, um, I think it's a 2.3 to play. Uh, yeah. two you know, it's so we don't even really encounter that here. It <laughs> used to be 2.0, you used to have to have a 2.0 to be eligible to play. Okay. So, um, which is a very low standard. But uh, again, junior college is, is made for the student that may have struggled or financially can't afford to, to go to a, a four-year institution. So, um, so educating kids that are deficient in maybe English, which is, could be very well uh, international student, right? Mm -hmm. they, they can't go to a, a four-year division one school because they're, they're, they don't speak the language. Right. It's a big deal. So uh, a junior college is a place where you can le learn the English language. So there's remedial English courses uh, for you to develop your English skills. So um, but having a strong education base is invaluable to move you quickly to where you want to go. Now, if you if you don't have the grades, you know, uh, at some part of this semester, can you still play games and can you still practice? Well, the number one requirement to play in junior college is that you graduate, right? Okay. 
Okay, so every term, um, you have to have a certain GPA and pass a certain number of hours, uh, which your coach will know, right? It's, it's um, so you have to be moving towards your degree. That's our goal here as educators is that you're moving towards your degree. You're, you're having a foundation so that you have skills after basketball is over that you can have a job so that when you're old like me and you can't run up and down the floor anymore that you have a job, right? And so that's the beauty of American um, intercollegiate athletics, right? It, it, it creates people that allows them to get degrees so that they can get jobs later on in life that maybe you didn't have that, it wasn't important to you at the time, but you end up with a degree. And so I love the game of basketball, to play the game of basketball in America, you had to go to school, right? Um, some can argue that's a, a bad system or that the system in Europe is better. That if you, if you want to play the game of basketball, you go to a club. And if you want to yeah. get an education, you go to here. In America, we, 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 inter, we inter, intertwine that. And, and I think it's been a good thing for America. I think it's the student athlete has been an absolutely spectacular thing for, for us in America. Okay. Uh, Coach, I'm really enjoying this. Thanks thanks for your time, man. I'm really enjoying yeah. this. No um, last, last couple questions. Um, what's the basic life fundamentals uh, a freshman should have going into college? Well, I think I think basic life fundamentals is that you have to be independently strong. You, you have to understand that you have a goal and an aspiration and that you are moving towards a goal. And there's gotta be hard times being away from your family. But um, the, the way technology is today, like you and I are talking and we're in the same room, it feels like, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you can see someone's face and that's, you know, today we wear masks all the time, but you know, now we, we can see each other. We can see your facial expressions and there's a connection that we can have. So, you know, that makes it a lot easier today, right? You have to have a self-discipline in what you're doing. You have to be able to get out of your bed that's nice and warm and go to class, right? That's a, that's a hard thing for freshmen sometimes, right? And you have some, you have to have discipline. You have to have discipline uh, to go to bed at the right time, get the proper amount of sleep. You have to eat properly, right? You can't eat crap all the time. You have to have discipline in that. And you have to have a, you have to have discipline to plan your day, from when you you're going to get a workout in, when you're going to get your study time in, when and and get involved in your classes and love what you're doing, embrace the moment. Of, hey, I'm in America, I'm doing something that probably less than half a percent get to do that play this game, and the opportunities that are in America are vast, and and fun. So. Just like I had an opportunity to go play in Australia, I was lucky to be able to do that. So I just didn't, I just love the experience I had and anyone coming to America should love their experience here. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, looking at parents, just briefly, uh, what type of relationship do coaches or, you know, you take yourself for example, what, what type of relationship do you have with parents and can parents call you whenever they feel the need to. So if they think that little Johnny's not eating or, you know, his clothes isn't washed or something like that, you know, what is the um, level of relationship? So understand that we're trying to raise young men here, right? So um, the communication that we have should be with the player, right? So that's not to say that we don't want to talk to parents, 
but we want to make sure that the players are advocating for themselves. If they don't understand why they're not playing, shame on me, right? I, I should make it very, very clear. Um, so like with, with, with a player that we, we got from you, he came here at semester. Yes. Great opportunity, especially this year, because this year doesn't even count towards his eligibility, right? So he was 70 practices behind when he got out here. Jeez. You can only imagine, yeah. right? Noel's jaw, raw, young, energetic, strong, talented young man, but he's behind. And so, um, so what I've done, you know, I've communicated with you and said, hey, this is where he's at. And I've been proactive in my communication so that when Joel gets frustrated, you already have a, an idea what's going on. What's going on? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. We, we will have conversations with parents, but mainly the conversations that we're going to have with parents is how he's functioning off the court to our knowledge and then how he's doing academically. And there's only so much that we can communicate academically because we have a FERPA rules in, in regards to privacy of a student athletes uh, or any student's grades. So um, what a parent can do is get a, signed a waiver that they know uh, what's going on academically, but the player has to sign off on that so that that information can be released. Okay, nice. Um, so you wouldn't be, uh, you wouldn't welcome a phone call from uh, somebody's mother saying, coach, man, I sent you my guy, you know, I sent you my son and he's not playing any, you know, minutes, um, you know, you need to play him more. I wouldn't say that I haven't got those phone calls. I've gotten them a lot more when I was a high school coach. And yeah. when I was, I was in an affluent area and, and that was a whole different situation. In junior college, we really don't get many phone calls. And the phone calls that we do have are straightforward and pretty honest, as well as, hey, have your son come talk to me and then he will relay that information to you. If he's not understanding something, then, and you still are confused, then we can have a conversation. You may not like to hear that conversation, <laughs> but you will get that conversation. And, you know, everyone has the ability that if it's not working out, that the, the player or the parent, you know, anybody's able to leave and go somewhere else. Be careful what you wish for. Because, um, uh, you know, especially at the College of Southern Idaho, I don't know uh, of a better situation for parents to send their young man. We have a 3.43 GPA, which is unbelievable on a 4.0 scale for junior college, as in division one. Um, the opportunity to get better is great here. Uh, we have probably 12 division one players that you're competing against daily. And it is, as well as game time is great. That's only 10% of your development here at CSI. 80% of your development is in practice and through individual workouts. And so if you don't take advantage of that, shame on you. I like it. Well said, coach, well said. Um, now you mentioned your daughter earlier going off to, to college and stuff, um, and you've been dealing with a lot of international um, parents, um, you know, cause you have their, their, their children. Um, what advice would you give to parents that are concerned um, about their sons living thousands of miles away in a you know a foreign country and away from all their creature comforts, if you will, what kind of you know consoling advice can you give them? Well, here's the number one thing: I'm a parent, right? So um, when I sent my daughter off to school, I wasn't worried. 
okay? Because my wife and I uh, parent well together. Um, over the years, we may have different opinions on things, but when we parent, we parent, we parented exactly right. We were disciplined with our daughter, but we also gave her freedom. We, we weren't so disciplined when we raised her that she, she wouldn't make mistakes. Like we didn't protect her. And when she was going through tough times uh, in Southern California volleyball and didn't get to play, and uh, we, didn't, we didn't run to the coach. We didn't, we didn't try to stop her from falling and getting a scab on her knee and learning the pains of things like that. So when she went to school, she was prepared. And I think at most international parents, if you've raised your son or daughter correctly, um, there shouldn't be much concern, right? I mean, you're always gonna worry about your, your, your son or daughter. Every time my daughter leaves and she's driving somewhere, I tell her to be careful, right? I mean, that's just, that's our natural thing to be parents, right? Um, I think daily, well, you don't need to have daily communication, but communication, you can do that now. You can see them face to face. If there's warning signs, uh, that you're seeing, right? Um, call the coach and say, hey, um, he's, he's acting a little bit different. Have you noticed anything? Um, all that, that type of things. But being organized and disciplined, if, you're, if, you're, if you've raised your son or daughter the right way, uh, the majority of the time, you should be, your concerns should be eased, right? Um, we're able to see a lot more than we used to see and communicate a lot more than we didn't used to. So I would say, um, you know, because of technology, you can see your kid more and, and have some comfort in seeing them on a daily basis. And I would say, you know, weekly conversations at the least are very important. How are grades going? How is it competing? Tell me about the team, you know, but I think the number one thing that I would tell all parents, international or non-international, um, have real conversations with your son or daughter that don't include athletics and don't get in the car after a game and and impose your will on them. Um, I, I, I started doing this with my daughter and I called it the one minute rule. And I said, hey, one minute, you got to listen to me. And she goes, oh, great, only one minute. I can <laughs> So then I'll say, and often what the first, the first couple of times I said, honey, I love you. I absolutely enjoy watching you play. I enjoy the joy that you get from playing the game. I enjoy the lessons that you're learning from athletics. You're going to fail, right? How you handle that failure is going to determine how successful you're going to be. How you handle success will determine how successful you're going to be. I remember one time she was playing basketball and she is not a basketball player. She, they had a game and she goes, oh, we played this game earlier, we're gonna beat them. I said, uh, I wouldn't take anyone for granted. They lost the game. She came back and said, coach, uh, dad, dad, you were right. And I said, hey, it's a lesson. She's learned that lesson. She's never forgot that lesson, but one minute. And I would say in that one minute that you have with her or him, tell him how much you love him and how much you appreciate him and how much joy I see you're getting from the sport. Then when you've built up enough credibility, you might say, honey, I did, I, I, you didn't hustle after that ball, what was going on? Or you might say, hey, 
you know, coach, how come you're not shooting the ball more? How come you're not, you know, how come you're not shooting and shooting the ball like you did? Well, you might say, hey, dad, I have a role to fill on this team. And my role is to move the basketball because Johnny's our better shooter. And we want to try to get and play through him. But when we play through him, he creates other shots for other players and I may get some shots. But if I go get rebounds and I run the floor, I'm going to score a lot more. And that that's the reason why I'm not shooting more. But as parents, all we remember is you shot the ball all the time when you were younger. How come you're not doing it now? Right. <laughs> so it's a way to ask questions for your son or daughter so that they don't feel the pressure that you feel from your parents. And when that happens and when you put so much pressure on your son or daughter, then they lose to the love and the passion for the game. And when that goes, you're heartbroken as a parent. I don't know if that answers your question. But that did. That was that was pretty beautiful. I mean, it made me I mean, my son's not old enough to be there, but you know, I um definitely, you know, might adopt that one minute rule. Hopefully I can keep it to one minute, but um yeah well if they if they want to talk more you let them talk more okay you know go get go get an ice cream go get something enjoy the moment because it's going to be over and i'll tell you this and i'll tell all parents this don't miss any games they're going to be gone before you know it my wife and i have made a commitment to go see my daughter play as much and every time as possible. My my wife works out of the house so she can work anywhere. And so she's made every game and I've made it a priority that I'm gonna be there whenever possible. And um, there will be one game I miss this year. It'll be senior night at Santa Clara. Oh, and no. Ryan Lundgren, my assistant will coach that game. And I don't care if it's the championship game to go to the national tournament. Family comes first in our family and I will miss all the other games, but I won't miss that one game. Awesome, awesome coach, I love it, love it. Um, hopefully it's a, uh, she gets the, the, the win on that game. Um, last real question, last one. Um, and this is great because it just ties into what we just spoke about, but you know, you get all these freshmen um, and they're miles and miles away from home, whether they're domestic or international, and you're kind of, you know, you're self-dependent, a self-independent and now you've got a whole world of distractions so you've got alcohol you've got drugs you've got sexual relations can you kind of help advise um do you have any stories about you know when stuff went wrong or whatever like can you what can you say to the to the freshmen that are trying to or not just the freshmen but anyone in college that are trying to navigate these distractions well, here again, it goes back. I think to just strong parenting, right? And and um, so that when you're sending your son or daughter off, they, they they have a basis of what they're doing. And to be honest with you, sometimes European kids, um, and I believe this is true, that the drinking age is at a lower level, uh, lower yes. age, right? Eighteen. So mm-hmm. Sometimes they're able to handle the drinking better than American kids, right? And so they've been around it in the home, um, and. And so it's more of a natural process. So where that uh, you don't drink to get drunk, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Anything in moderation is, is okay, right? So there's rules and regulations with every, every institution that, that need to be followed. Understand that all international students are on a visa. And so breaking of laws, when you are on a visa, 
could uh, result in losing your visa and having to go home. I think that is something that is really, really important for all international students to really understand that you're under a little bit tighter scrutiny than most kids because you have gotten a great opportunity to come to America that can be taken away from you and your, your coach cannot protect you from that. So um, the school has policies that you have to adhere to as long as you're as well as your team rules. Um, here at CSI, you're drug tested um, and you can be randomly drug tested at any time. And we have a true strike penalty. If you test positive for drugs uh, a second time, then you are gone. And so it's, uh, and it's about the environment that you're going to, I, I really believe. Um, so yeah, uh, women are another thing, right? I mean, uh, it's gonna be there. You watch any NBA game, you look behind the bench when there's fans, you're gonna see a lot of, a lot of women behind the bench. And so um, those are distractions for NBA players as well. Um, so there's distractions at, at collegiate level at a lot of different levels. So, but managing that and understanding that really determines the culture that of the program that you're going to. Coach, that was, yeah, definitely great moderation. And um, I believe the, the, the grounding, the parenting, remembering um, your parenting definitely um, is gonna come a long way and not being easily swayed. Um, so yeah, that's, that was fantastic. Coach, um, those are all the questions. The, the last thing I will get you to do is, um, again, if I've got a kid in Greece and, you know, he's looking at a couple of programs, you know, he's of decent talent and he's thinking of coming to, you know, CSI, what can you tell us about your program that, that makes you guys so unique or, or so good and, and why you should consider coming to CSI? Well, I think that uh, whatever program that that people are considering, you have to consider multiple things. Uh, the, the culture of the place that you're going, where you can develop. And at CSI, we have a great situation in which our gym is available all the time. We have uh, three full-time assistants that do nothing but skill development. And your development as a player is important. Our academic uh, pieces are in place for you to be successful and winning this junior college in the country. So, um, and we've had a great tradition of international players here. So if you're looking for uh, an environment to really grow and move on from here, this is probably one of the best places in the country. Coach, I love it. Thank you so much for your time. Um, some real words of wisdom. Um, that was great. Um, wishing you and the team, you know, we're going to stay in contact anyway, but um, definitely wishing you guys a, a best of luck and, and uh, with the rest of the season. All right. Well, thank you a lot, Daniel. I want to, I want to thank everybody for watching Eurostepping. And if you, yeah, if you are a talented player that's looking to come to America, I would talk to Daniel and I would seek his advice and counsel about getting here. He has a great uh, reputation out there. Appreciate you watching the Eurostepping. I want to thank everybody for watching Eurostepping. Watching the Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. You've been watching the Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. The Eurostepping. You've been watching the Eurostepping, a great podcast show hosted by Coach D.